Welcome to The Female Red Zone, a podcast dedicated to sharing insights from women who have made an indelible mark in business and the path they took to soar. Welcome to The Female Red Zone. This is Mary Beth Kuzmeski. Today I'm interviewing Sheila Ronning. Sheila is the CEO and founder of Women in the Boardroom. Now, long before women on boards were a hot topic, Sheila believed in women's ability to serve on corporate boards and strongly enough, actually, to become the founder and CEO of this Women in the Boardroom. So today, as one of the nation's top leadership and board service experts, Sheila excels at connecting influential women and executives, professionals with the people and tools they need to succeed in business and the boardroom by organizing executive and board coaching sessions, seminars, and webinars. Now, she's received the Enterprising Woman of the Year Award from Enterprising Women magazine. She's been featured in the Wall Street Journal, Forbes Women, Star Tribune, the Pioneer Press, Chicago Sun-Times, Minneapolis, St. Paul Business Journal, and on and on and on. Uh, She was also named the 40 Under 40 in the St. Paul Business Journal and uh, is on the list for her entrepreneurial dynamism and reputation as a networking expert. Just absolutely thrilled to speak with you today, Sheila. Thank you for being on the Female Red Zone. Well, thank you for having me. So how did you come to start Women in the Boardroom? Because I, I see you've started it in 2002, but this is a hot topic today. How did you know back in 2002 that this was going to be something? Um, you know, what was your motivation? Well, I, it, you know, it's, it is, it's a, one of those stories where, I, and you're right, I mean, we started it before, you know, before it became the hot, big hot media topic that it is today. And, and thankfully, it is the big hot media topic today. Um, but actually, you know, as an entrepreneur, I was um, creating different events, and I was a, a marketing and sales consultant, and I was very successful at creating events. And my, my mentor had said to me, oh my gosh, I would love it if you would start some type of event that helped women get into the corporate boardroom. And that's how it all started. So I started having an annual event in Minneapolis. It grew up to like 600 people every year. And you know, for Minneapolis, it's a pretty good size event. And then I started taking it to other cities in 2006. And by 2010, we were actually in 15 cities nationwide. Wow. What do you think is behind the fact that we need to have organizations like yours to get more women um, in the boardroom and on these corporate boards? What, what's, the, what's the issue that was the issue back then and is probably the same issue right now? Yeah. Well, it's women. That's, ah. that's really kind of the bottom line. Um, and, I mean, you're probably like, what do you mean? Mm-hmm. Well, women... You know, there's that Harvard, Harvard uh, Business Review survey that just recently came out that says women feel the need to check 100% of the boxes before they actually go for something. And men feel the need to check 60% of the boxes, which I frankly think is a little high. <laughs> and by the way, just because we're women in the boardroom does not mean that we hate men. We love men. So we, we all just need to be working together, right? right. Just want to make sure that's clear. But... Women just don't, they don't want to put themselves forward for things unless they know everything about it. And so the reason why we're here is because we are able to give women the step-by-step directions on how to navigate that path. 
So it's not a cultural issue. You're saying it is an issue that starts with the woman. Well, I mean, there's many different things you can mix in, right? But from where I sit and the conversations I'm having with these women, well, first of all, they're, they're not thinking, oh, I, you know, I mean, am I qualified? And I mean, I'm all, a woman, you know, could be in the C-suite in a Fortune 500 company and still ask me that question. I don't know if I'm qualified. And that's not all women either, right? That's, you know, I don't want to say that everything I say is about every single woman, you know, because it's not. And, you know, women, the way you're going to get into a boardroom is through your network. I mean, we hear time and time again that less than 15% of all board seats are filled by a search firm. But even when a board does retain a search firm, the first thing they ask the board is, who do you guys know? So that's another piece of why we need to have an organization like this, because even though women are really great networkers, they're not so great at using their network. They don't like to ask their network to help them with things. Um, and again, I don't want to say every single woman, but that even the ones who are not having an issue with asking for help, they are not, some of them just aren't asking about the board piece in the right way. I mean, you need to be very specific in your ask. You need to be able to say, you know, instead of saying, oh, I wanted to let you know, Bob, I'm really interested in getting onto a corporate board, you know, where he's then thinking, okay, well, I really want to help you. You know, I always say our network wants to help us, but we need to help them help us. So if you just tell Bob you're interested in getting onto a corporate board, he, he will introduce you to like a search firm. But if you tell him specifically, I'm interested in getting onto a manufacturing or retail or hospitality, he will then start thinking about people in those industries to connect you with. And those are actually the people you want to be connected to. Right. So I'm so kind of going good questions. This. Yeah. Yeah. Good questions to ask. But do you yeah. think that the reason there are so few women CEOs are connected to the fact that there are so few women on corporate boards, or are those disconnected items? No, I don't. But it's you know it's the chicken or the egg, right? Yeah. And I mean that that goes for women in politics too. You know with. If there was more women in, in, you know, politics, would there be more women in the C-suite? If there's more women in the C-suite, would there be more women in the boardroom? So it's... Well, so the question is, from your previous uh, comment, you had mentioned that uh, the reason that women are not on corporate boards is because of the women, because they haven't checked all the boxes off and they haven't done all of the things that they feel so they can say, hey, I'm qualified. Do you think right, that is but just the to same clarify reason? on that piece, I just to clarify on that piece, I don't think women need to check 100% of the boxes. They think they do. I, I get that. Yeah. So okay. do you think that that's the same reason that more women aren't mm. CEOs? That's what I'm asking. The connection okay. between women CEOs, there's a shortage, and women on corporate boards, there's a shortage. Is it the same reason? Well, yeah, of course. But I mean, because that, you know, whatever the case may be, they're not putting themselves forward because they don't think they are checking 100% of the boxes. I mean, there's, I don't want to make it seem like it's just that, you know, because there are, of course, the cultural elements and, and it is, you know, the good old boys network. I don't want to make it seem like it's, well, if women would just understand they don't need to check 100% of the boxes, that 
there would be all these women on corporate boards and in the C-suite. So I don't want to make it seem like that, but your question was around, you know, why do we need organizations like this? And so I just want to make sure that's clear because I don't want a bunch of emails saying, how dare you say it's all <laughs> women's fault for not checking all the boxes, right? Well, and, right. That's what I was trying to clarify. Yeah. That's what I was yeah. trying to clarify. Yeah. yeah. So what are some of the other issues? So we've got not, you know, that they feel like they have to check all the boxes. Uh, there might be some cultural things going on. We know that there's cultural things going on. W what else is there? What, what, what? What else do you see are the reasons for the shortage of women well, on board? I, I, yeah, I mean, listen, we know women like to ask questions, and I think that for a long time, you know, guys were like, I don't need women in the boardroom with me asking all these questions. Well, you know, guess what? Enron happened. You know, if, if we would have had, you know, all, I mean, and, you know, there's plenty of other companies to use example too, but I mean, if there would be some, a, a room instead of like 90% of these white guys and whatever else fills up the room, you, I mean, you need to have diversity in the room. And diversity is, you know, a, a, a smart board will have a matrix for the board, right? First line is what are the different skill sets needed on this board? Well, let's make sure that we have the the best person to fit, you know, for the skill set, let's make sure we have that first and foremost. But then we have these other line items, which are, you know, race, gender, and age. Right. And really, it's like, let's look at our customers. Who are our customers? Shouldn't we have their voices in that room? Yeah, absolutely. But if you don't have a diverse mix, if you have all the same, I mean, if you have all women in the room, it's going to be a much different conversation you know, than it would be if you had, you know, seven women and three guys in the room. Right. So what are the types of backgrounds that women have um, and men too, that they're looking for on corporate boards? Is it a finance background, accounting background? Uh, what, yeah, what, great question. So what we're doing, we're not industry specific, by the way. I mean, there's different groups out there that are, so I just, you know, because my answer, um, it'll help understand my answer a little bit better. So even though we're not a search firm, we do have companies coming to us with their board openings. And so in the last five years, there's been this dramatic shift in one, how you get onto a corporate board and also what our corporate board's looking for. So years ago, it used to be that they really just wanted like a CFO type. You know, they wanted that financial expert serving on their board. Well, the good news is now they're not just looking for financial experts. So we get in all these board openings, right? And it's great. And the, so we always have them list out what are the skill sets that you need so that we can help, you know, figure out which one of our members are, are a good fit for them, right? But they're not just looking for financial experts anymore. They're looking for, um, you know, marketing, um, you know, social media, of course, you know, the risk, right? Cybersecurity. Um, I mean, we've had companies saying, okay, do you have anybody in commercial real estate or uh, in luxury goods? I mean, they're just, they're not just looking for financial experts anymore. And that is such great news because that really does then open up the door wider for women. Yeah, absolutely. Because 
uh, I work in the financial industry and there are quite a few uh, men in the industry, not nearly as many women. And so if that's what they're looking for, then we're already at a shortage based on what they exactly. want. Exactly. Yes. Yes, exactly. So tell me about what Women in the Boardroom does to help uh, women prepare for, get ready to be on a board, or just talk yeah. a little bit about what the organization is about. Well, so remember I said in the beginning that we, you know, we'd eventually we'd have this event in 15 cities across the U.S. And so we really were an event company at that time. And um, four and a half years ago, we completely revamped it, you know, for many reasons. One, um, there was that little thing called the financial crisis, right? (laughs) And we were losing sponsors like crazy. And, you know, I wasn't paying close enough attention, you know, which is a really, you know, it was a really rough time, but it was such a great experience to go through because obviously I'll never take my eye off the ball anymore, right? Right. Um, <laughs> but also it was just I wasn't diversifying my services either as much as I should. So it's a very, it's a great entrepreneurial story, but at the same time it's also the, you know, gives you an overview of, of what we're doing. Because so when I, four and a half years ago, we revamped it into being a membership platform. Yes, we still do events, but... You know, we're not doing the big 15-city tour anymore, and that's not the main, um, you know, that's just a, the big source of what we do. Um, so over the years, I'd been hearing from these senior-level executive women, like, hey, you know, this this event is great. I'm meeting a lot of people. It's, you know, but i got to tell you, I'm really serious about getting onto a corporate board, and you coming to our city once a year is just not enough. I need more help than that. And... So I just, and also I just didn't feel like we were making a difference. You know, all these other groups started popping up in the cities that we were in that were doing this, you know, something similar, really offering that basic information of, you know, which was, you know, how, how did women get onto corporate boards? What were their stories? And, um, you know, what really happens in the boardroom and, and things like that. It wasn't really getting us anywhere. It wasn't moving the needle, you know? So I decided to uh, revamp everything, and it was, of course, frightening because I, I stopped going for the masses, and I just zoomed in to those senior-level executive women who I knew were ready and qualified. And, um, you know, so we rolled up the membership program, and I started working one-on-one with these women. And, you know, every year we're adding new benefits to our program because I'm learning so much from these women about what they need so we work with them on making sure they have those board documents, right, that really are helping position them for board service, the board bio, the professional profile. And then we dig in and we really help them, um, you know, work on their network. I mean, I am a networking expert, and I've created this process on how to not go out and meet 50 new people a month. That's not what we're talking about. It's really about all of those people in your life that are that influencer, connector type person. I mean, how many times have you known Joe, right? You've known him for 15 years, but you haven't seen him in five. Right. And it's all, you know, that kind of a process of really maintaining those relationships in a very structured way and also, you know, staying in touch with them, but it's not all me, me, me. I mean, that's not how to network, and it really is not how you get onto a board. So, um, 
It's not how you do anything, actually, right? What, hon? It's not how you do anything, actually, is it? Right, exactly, yeah. But, you know, women feel uncomfortable in the first place with the whole ask, right? So it's, if I explain it like that, then they're like, okay, I get it. I like that, right? And, you know, and it's also, we have, you know, we get the board openings in, um, so we're connecting, you know, our VIP members with vows, and then I created our matchmaking program last year, which really is, um, I feel like going to be the game changer for women. I, frankly, I don't know why this hasn't been done before, but, you know, if they contribute to this list, um, this master list of companies where they have board connections and then other VIP members can look at those companies. We, we help connect the VIP members with um, other VIP members' contacts. Yeah, where, that, that is incredibly valuable. Yeah. And, you know, um, realizing that it's obviously, you know, whoever is putting these company names forward, we know it's that VIP member's uh, reputation. So, you know, we have, you know, a few different um, ways to really filter through those. And one being that, you know, not everybody can join our VIP program in the first place, right? But, um, you know, we make sure, we have many different like filters for it to go through before they actually get connected with that board. But I really feel like it's going to be a game changer. And we're wanting to make those connections before the board even announces their board opening because I truly believe that once the board has announces they have an opening, they already know who they want. Right. So what drives you? What, what takes you to do all the things that you're doing and, and to, we were talking before about packing things into a day and just lots of incredible things that you do every single day. What drives you to keep doing all of this? <laughs> Um, insanity. I don't know. I mean, no. I mean, honestly, I love what I do. I love helping women. I feel like we're actually making a difference now. We finally have, you know, this great progress report that we can share. And I mean, we, we didn't have that before when we were doing the events, right? And so when we switched over to the membership platform, that's when I felt like we could really start tracking things. And so now I feel like we're really making a difference and that just excites me. And I'm just so passionate about that. I know you're passionate because I can hear it. But, you know, when we, um, I always ask the women that I'm interviewing, you know, because you're doing so many amazing things, but what about something that happened to you that wasn't so amazing that you had to really, a big challenge that you had to get over? Um, I don't like to call them failures, but something that just didn't work out at all the way you wanted it to. And how did you, how did you learn from that or get over that? Wow. I mean, which which one do you want to talk about? Whichever one you want to. <laughs> well, no, I mean, the, the, obviously, the, right. There's, I just think you you don't learn and grow without those bumps in the road, right? No and, yeah. Um, I mean, I, you know, my biggest one to date was, uh, you know, four and a half years ago, I moved from Minneapolis to New York, and that alone is extremely intimidating. You know, Minnesota Midwestern girl moving to the big city, right? And mm. it's intimidating because when you live in the Midwest, you're born and raised there. You always just always think of, you know, New Yorkers as these, you know, cutthroat people. And I mean, it's scary and you want to make it here, right? So you're not sure, oh, are they going to like me? Are they going to accept me? And so I did the move. I move here, all of a sudden, well, I move here for a personal reason, 
and that breaks up, right, three months after I move here. And on top of it, then my business is failing. So I had my world just crumbling around me, and I'm like, oh, my God, what do I do? And how great, to, by the way, to have your business crumble, and now all of a sudden you're living in the most expensive city. Right. Oh, I my. Mean, so all of that and... You know, and, and somehow it's like once I started, I mean, I did many different things during that time. A, a good friend of mine from Chicago actually said, came and visited me and she's like, wow, you know, you are not the person I know. Like I was just crabby and snappy and, you know, I was not happy, right? Mm-hmm. And thankfully she said, uh, can I teach you how to meditate? So that was extremely helpful. But it was during that time that I really realize that I just, at the end of the day, I need to be me. I need to stop worrying about trying to be the Minnesota girl being intimidated moving to the big city. And I'm like, I got to the point where I'm like, this is me, take it or leave it, right? Yeah. Yep. But it also made me realize I wasn't even my true self in, in Minnesota either, right? Like now I feel like I, I'm me and and it's such a good thing. So there's just so... And it, it's not until you're in that and you realize, like, wow, I just need to embrace everything I'm going through, even though it's extremely painful and tough. And, you know, what is it that I really want? I didn't want to move back to Minnesota. I loved New York, even though it was just, like, such a painful time for me. I, I still loved it here. And I wasn't going to move back. So revamping the program and not even sure if it it was going to work and – you know, it was so scary with, we were doing this 15-city tour and we were focused on the masses and to just zoom it down to really just kind of hunker down in New York and, you know, and make my claim here. So instead of doing all the 15-city tour, I just started doing events here monthly. Well, you know, I mean, in hindsight, well, why that? Of course that's going to work. I mean, we have more women that are senior-level executives here than all of those other cities combined. Right. But it was just so scary when you come out of your, well, this is what I've been doing. Well, and I think that authentic piece is is mm. really key. I know that, I, I know a lot of women, myself included, that have struggled with that. It's like you come into business mm-hmm. and you're trying to be what you're supposed to be as opposed yeah, but, yeah. to being who you actually are. And it's <laughs> kind of scary to be who you actually are because people might figure it out that you're just a regular person and, you know. Oh, I know. I oh know. My gosh. Yeah. And when I started being that person, just me, that's when people really started gravitating towards me. Right, because people love the authentic. They and we're, we're afraid that they won't. And so we have mm-hmm. to pretend that or put – we don't even feel, I don't think, that we're pretending. We're just – we're trying to be all the things that we're supposed to be. And in, in the meanwhile, we, we forget about who it's we a, actually it's are. The pressure we're putting on ourselves. Nobody's even, like, we're thinking, you know, oh, we're supposed to be this way. Nobody's telling us that. It's just all in our head. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, that, we're that's... creating that, right? right? When you and I were talking at the beginning before we started recording about how, you know, it's like busy, busy, busy nonstop. And I'm like, yeah, but, you know we created this, right? And we wouldn't have it any other way. Yep, that's exact that's exactly right. And I think we've we've created like no one told us you need to do this this way. I think just by observing and especially for me working in an industry that is mostly male, you know, I look at 
the people that I want to emulate. I want to be like this person or that person. I don't want to mm-hmm. be them. I just want to be able to have some of their business acumen. And those things can be confusing when you're first starting in business. I don't want to be a man. I don't want to look like a man. I don't want to, right. you know, I want to be me. But it took me a while to figure out that emulating the people that I wanted to be like didn't mean being just like them. And exactly. it's hard. <laughs> but. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's confusing. And, you know, it's like, and by the way, those people, they don't have a perfect life either, you know? Yeah, well, that well, that's exactly right. Now, I have a question. So you talk about you know, women in the boardroom, the, the women that you're working with. You've called them life learners. What's yeah. a life learner? Talk about that. Right. So, yeah, I always say, listen, our members are what I would refer to as a life learner. These women have no desire to someday, you know, when they retire to be a full-time gardener, Right. I mean, hey, they might do gardening for a couple hours a week or whatever, but they just need to be stimulated. They need to, they, sitting at a table with other extremely par- smart people and learning from them and having these amazing discussions, that's what will keep them going until, you know, they're 105, right? So I just think, you know, I, well, I mean, I know that if you are not learning and growing, that you're dying. Because there's no staying in your same space. Right. You know, you're either you're learning and you're growing or you're dying. That's how I see it. And for me, like with my whole struggle that I'd went through, um, I also realized that at that time that when I get into that comfortable state, that's when I should be scared. Because that's something's right. happening that I'm not aware of. It's like the calm before the storm. <laughs> exactly. Like, I know now that I need to always be in a little bit of state of chaos. Yeah. Because that means I'm changing things up and I'm growing. It's when I'm comfortable tells me, well, you better watch out. Something's coming. Well, uh, so I'm from Wisconsin. You're from Minnesota, both from the Midwest. And we have a lot of tornadoes in the Midwest. And the scariest time, they say, in a tornado is when everything gets perfectly still. (laughs) Because you know, you're like in the middle of something horrible. Mm -hmm. You just, it just hasn't hit you yet. And that's, you know, that's kind of the same thing. If the wind is whipping and you go, okay, something's happening here. I get it. um, and, And you can sort of move forward and move through it. But when it's completely still, it's the scariest moment. And I think mm-hmm. that's, that's the same for, for business. If things are exactly the way that you've always wanted them to be and everything is perfect, it's time to be nervous, real nervous. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, the financial crisis didn't hit us in 2008. It didn't hit us in 2009. And I'm thinking, oh, oh, I made it through that. I mean, I started my business when I was in my 20s. And, you know, I'm in my 40s now, so there's not, you know, I didn't have that. I never, we'd never had the recession in my lifetime. I didn't know what that was. And I just assumed I I made it through it because, you know, and then all of a sudden it was like, oh, wait a minute, we just lost all those big sponsors now. I mean, oh, okay, oh, <laughs> it's, a, you know, it's the the ripple effect, right? But shame on me for not not paying better attention. Yeah, that's the thing, and sometimes we're moving so fast, we forget to look around at what's actually happening. And that can be one of the problems with being so busy. It wasn't even, you know, it wasn't even, I was just really comfortable. Oh my God, my business is doing great. (laughs) I was really comfortable. 
I mean, I was even down to like working 30 hours a week. I mean, what the hell was I thinking? (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh. Well, this has been a really fun, uh, informative interview. Um, let the listeners know how they can reach you at Women in the Boardroom, um, some of your social media connections or, or anything yeah. that will help people get in touch with you. Well, I mean, obviously I have a website, right? Uh, it's womenintheboardroom.com. We have a really uh, very active, great group on LinkedIn. It's just it's Women in the Boardroom. Um, our Twitter handle is at boardroomwomen. Uh, of course, we're on Facebook. Uh, so... You know, check us out, and then I mean, if people are interested in our in our program and really figuring out what we do, we have a you know complimentary um, webinar we can send them. You know, that talks about you know is corporate board service right for you. I've done a, a video on our membership program if they want more information about that. But you know, it's really um, you know I want to make sure people know too. It's not just all about the public boards out there. There's you know the media loves to focus on those Fortune 500, but Guess what? There's thousands and thousands of other companies, um, you know, whether it's a smaller publicly traded company, but also privately held company boards and advisory boards, even, you know, advisory boards for major corporations. So there's lots of opportunity out there. And I just want women, you know, to understand that they go to a conference and that search person's only talking about the Fortune 500. I don't want that woman to walk away uninspired because they're only going to talk about where they're actually making money from. (laughs) <laughs> and so there's a lot of other options out there for women and men, but you know, obviously I'm focused on women. Right. Well, absolutely wonderful. Thank you so much, Sheila, for joining us today on the female red zone. Uh, I have loved every minute of this interview and it's been very insightful. I've learned some things from the female red zone. This is Mary Beth Kosmeski. Thanks for listening to The Female Red Zone, a podcast dedicated to sharing insights from women who have made an indelible mark in business and the path they took to soar. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.